Occasionally I'll hear someone say, if I had it to do over again, but we don't have it to do over again, therefore we must do it right the first time. None of us would say that we have done it right the first time, and because that is true, we bring baggage from the past into the present. For instance, I don't think David ever got over the fact that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Though he was a man, the Bible says, who was after God's own heart, though the Lord used him dramatically and powerfully after he repented of his sin, I don't think he ever got over that. That was always with him. I don't think that Simon Peter ever completely got over denying the Lord. No matter what he did, and he served the Lord after that time, But no matter what he did, I think that was always in his mind that he had failed the Lord in that way. And we also would look at our lives and say, there are those things in our lives with which I am not pleased, I wish were different. However, the Lord gives us a new life when we come to him and the possibility of a good life if we follow him. And so today, as we continue our series from the Old Testament... Looking at stories and events there, we're going to look at the Lord leading the Hebrew people out of bondage to the promised land, and they're following after him. Now, let me give you a little bit of background just so that you will be reminded. Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt and was able to save Israel during a time of famine. The Bible says that after a period of time, the Pharaoh died. Another Pharaoh came to power who did not know Joseph. And so Israel then was enslaved for hundreds of years. They began to cry out to the Lord. And there at the burning bush, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of bondage to the promised land. And that's what we are seeing today. Take your Bibles. Turn with me. To Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse number 17. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God shall surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped and eat them on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I hope we learn something about following after God. If you are a believer, then it is the desire of your heart that you become a sincere follower of God. So I hope we learn something about that. The first thing I see is that the long way is sometimes the best way. 
Now, in math, we learn the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But God does not always lead us in a straight line. Why? Because he looks beyond the straight line. He looks beyond the map. And God leads us according to what is best. Now, look at verse number 17. It came about when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Now, there were two ways to go from Egypt to Canaan. One could go from the north of Egypt down to the south of Canaan. And that was about a four to five day journey. It was the short way. The other way was to go through the wilderness, which was the long way. And the Bible says that God led them through the wilderness. He led them through the long way. Why? Why did God lead them through the long way rather than the short way? Well, they were broken by slavery. And even though they were no longer slaves, they still had a slave's heart. So they were simply not ready to face the opposition. At this point, they were not ready to face war, and especially with the Philistines. Folks, the fact is, sometimes God leads us the long way because we are not ready for what is immediately in front of us. Let me give you an example from the New Testament. The Corinthians wrote to the Apostle Paul and asked the question, Should we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Now, many of these were young Christians who had come out of paganism. And so they sacrificed meat or animals to their pagan god. So the question from them was this. If we go to someone's home and they provide us with a meal, what if it's meat that has been sacrificed to idols? So the Apostle Paul wrote, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Paul is saying there they simply are not ready for the freedom that they have in Christ. Even though they have been set free in Christ, they are not ready for the freedom that comes through Christ. So Paul goes on in that passage of Scripture to say, Therefore, if it will cause my weaker brother to stumble, then I will not eat meat or drink wine. In other words, they were not ready for the freedom that was theirs in Jesus Christ. Now, I think the second reason the Lord led them the uh, the long way, you see, they were not ready to face the Philistines. They were not ready for battle, so he took them the long way. And the second reason, I think, is because time has a way of strengthening us. Now, is that not true physically? We have a number of people who have had hip replacement and knee replacement. Linda Devonport has had knee replacement, and I watched her, and, you know, Linda's riding her bicycle. She's clogging up and down the hallways here, all that. I'm just teasing about that part of it, but... But in time, even though we've had some procedure, then we become stronger because time has a way of healing us physically. It's also true emotionally that that is the reason that someone 
who has gone through a broken relationship or a divorce should be careful not to immediately get into another relationship because you're not emotionally healed. It takes time. It takes time to go through the process and becoming strong again. So time then strengthens us physically, it strengthens us emotionally, and it strengthens us spiritually. When the Lord called me to preach, and I struggled with that for some time, and finally I came to the place to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Then I decided, well, you know, Billy Graham's getting old. I guess I'll just uh, replace him. (laughs) I'm ready to go and pastor the First Baptist Church of Columbia, South Carolina. I didn't know where it was, but, you know, I'm ready to go. and I'm, I'm ready, Lord. Well, the Lord didn't think I was ready. So I had to go through some other things. There were some things that I needed to learn. And so in the first little church that I I pastored was not a a Billy Graham crusade. We ran 40 in Sunday school. My first Sunday there, 13 of them left. I don't think it had anything to do with me, but they left nevertheless. But it was there that I learned to trust in the Lord. It was there that I learned to depend upon the Lord, because I had to depend upon the Lord. point that I'm making to you is that sometimes God leads us the long way because we are not ready for what is immediately in front of us, and it takes time to get ready. Now, though that's true, we are still tempted sometimes to take the shortcut, aren't we? We, we know those things, but we are tempted to take shortcuts. Uh, in our career, we want to get to the top, so we take a shortcut. So we compromise convictions, we compromise values, we compromise those things, because we want to take a shortcut and get to the top as quickly as we can. When it comes to marriage, some of you young people who are anticipating one day getting married, there is a temptation to take a shortcut and, you know, to marry the best looking, not the best suited. Anthony Banks, one of our deacons, was married last night. Last Monday, he gave his testimony, and in his testimony, he said, and I I was blessed by this, but he said, I am so glad that I waited on God to bring the woman to my life that I should marry. You see, but sometimes we want to take a shortcut. We want to find a person and just get married. We want to take religious shortcuts. We know that the Bible says the only way of salvation is through Christ. But, you know, there are people who have other ideas and so forth, and I don't want to get into that. So we say, well, you know, as long as you're sincere in what you believe, that's going to get you there. Well, the Bible says in John 10, 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But we want to take a shortcut. Rather than commit our lives to Jesus Christ for salvation, we want to take a short. We want to take shortcuts and concerning baptism, right? Well, I've been saved, and if baptism does not save me, then why go through it? I don't want to be baptized, even though the Lord said to do it. We want to take a shortcut. We want to take a shortcut concerning Bible study. We know the importance of studying God's Word. But, hey, I, I, I went to church, heard the preacher say something from the Bible, and that ought to be good enough. So we want to take shortcuts. Well, God leads us according to His omniscience, and sometimes it's the long way. And He did, with, he did Israel. Led them the long way. Look again in verse number 17b. 
He said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. See, here's God's concern. That the noise of battle would drown out the voice of God. They weren't ready, and so he was concerned that the noise of battle drowns out the voice of God. And that they would forget their purpose, which was to go to the promised land, and instead they would want to return to Egypt. The Lord leads us according to his omniscience. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Adrian Rogers commenting on that verse one day said, He will clear the way like a bulldozer. When the Lord leads us, he clears the way like a bulldozer if we follow after him. So, the first thing that we have to understand is that sometimes the long way is the best way. The short way is not always the best. Second thing we learn is that the wilderness is sometimes God's way. Look at verse number 18. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Now, we don't like the uh, wilderness necessarily, but sometimes that is God's way. And he reveals his will to us a step at a time. Recently, I bought a GPS. I really don't need it. Linda does, but I bought one. But I noticed that it leads a step at a time. You know, it comes on and says, in four miles, turn left. And you go, now, this is pretty cool. I'm just, in two miles, turn left. In one mile, sort of like having your wife with you. One mile, turn left. <laughs> and then you get there and it says, get in the left lane. But, well, it, it's just a step at a time that it leads you. And God also leads us a step at a time. He provides direction. Look at verse number 21. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. Now, the Lord only gives enough light for the moment. A couple of things that I notice here, first of all, is that when God leads, He is out front. Don't get ahead of God. When God leads, He is out front. It's not a part-time job with God. He leads day and night. So, He is with us to lead us all the time, and then He comforts us in verse number 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. He does not abandon us. See? He led them a step at a time. did the same thing with the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 16, Paul was led to go to Macedonia. Now, how did that happen? It happened one step at a time. Let me just mention it to you. Paul's journey to Macedonia, how did it begin? It began with vision. In Acts chapter 16, verse number 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. All right, now that was the first step. He had a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Second step, there were some doors that were closed. All right, the Lord gives him a vision, I want you to go to Macedonia. Then he shut some doors through which they could not go. So the Bible says in Acts 16, 7, When they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. All right? So there is a vision. That was the beginning. He gave a vision. Come over to Macedonia and help us. 
Then there were some doors that were closed. Then there were some other doors that were opened. So it says in Acts 16.10, When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. One step at a time. The Lord gave a vision. He closed some doors. He opened some other doors. But it was one step at a time. Now, folks, God wants to guide you. If you're willing to be obedient to God, God wants to guide you. But the first step is coming to the place where you say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Now, show me what it is. God wants to guide you. When the Lord guides you, then you have great confidence. That's the reason that uh, when someone tells me they're considering the ministry or something, I'm always very curious about their call. Because if you are convinced that God has called you to do something, then you're going to have great confidence. And when difficulties come, you will be able to remain because God has called you. And you know that. I have never doubted as to whether or not God called me to First Baptist Church. Because of that, I've had great confidence probably when I should not have or would not have otherwise. So God guides us, and when we are walking with the Lord, then there is confidence. Now, what God expects from us is obedience. You see, the Lord revealed his will to the Hebrews about the promised land that they might be obedient. God revealed his will to the Apostle Paul to go to Macedonia that he might be obedient. And God reveals his will to us that we might be obedient. Are you being obedient to the Lord and his call on your life and his guidance in your life? He reveals his will that you might be obedient. Now, third thing I see is that God's way always provokes opposition. God's will does not preclude opposition. Instead, it expects it. Now, Israel had opposition. First of all, there was opposition from without. Look at chapter 14, verse number 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. So Pharaoh had a change of mind. So now then there's opposition from without as the Egyptian army is going in pursuit of them. Then there's opposition within. Verse number 10 of chapter 14. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, then said, they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? So there is opposition from without, there's opposition from within. There was opposition even in doing the Lord's will. You'll always find that. Nehemiah, the Lord placed on Nehemiah's heart that he was to go back to Jerusalem and build the wall around Jerusalem that had been broken down. There was opposition. They mocked him. Nehemiah 4.1, now, it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. Now, you understand that Nehemiah had heard from God. God had led him. He was being obedient to the Lord, but he was mocked. The opposition says you can't do it. 
Nehemiah 4.2, he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Do they think they're going to come and rebuild this wall? What are they? They can't do that. They, then they said, well, it's going to fail if they do. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 3, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break down their stone wall. Always opposition. Friend, you need to understand that if you say yes to God, there's going to be opposition. Sometimes we get the idea that if we commit our lives to the Lord, that, that uh, we are going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That there's going to be no opposition. It's downhill and shady. That everything is going to work out just fine. Well, that's not necessarily the case. There's always opposition. Sometimes it comes from your family. Job was serving the Lord. Uh, he had gone through all that he had gone through. And then his wife at that time turned and said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? You know, he's going to kill you anyway. You might as well get it over with. Sometimes the opposition comes from family. The Lord leads you to do something. But family uh, stands in the way. Sometimes it's friends. When Jesus went through Jericho and Bartimaeus wanted to, to see the Lord because he was blind. And so he began crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he did, his friends who were around him told him to sit down. said, sit down and cool it. Just sit. You're making a scene. Don't do anything. Some, sometimes it's your friends. Folks, sometimes when you commit your life to the Lord and you're serious about his call on your life, there is always going to be opposition. Sometimes it comes from family. Sometimes it comes from friends. Sometimes it comes from circumstances. And as I, as I was thinking through this and praying through this uh, this last week, that probably is going to be the greatest opposition that we face as a church in the days that are before us. Circumstances. You see, God will lead us to do something. God will put something on our heart. But then we become timid because we say, well, you know, but look at the circumstances. I mean, we have economic crises. We, have, we can't do those things. When I've been, you know, in the staff and some of us, we've been talking, we've been looking at the next five years. What is God going to lead us to do? Where is God leading us? And to be honest with you, I'm more excited about it probably than I've ever been. But at the same time, I know that there is going to be the hesitation because we say, but look at the circumstances. Let me tell you something, folks. Our faith is not in our circumstances. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus. It is not whether or not the market is up or the market is down because God is always up. And so it is, there is always going to be opposition, but our faith is in God, and so we trust in Him. Fourth thing I see is that destination calls for determination. If we're going to reach our destination, we have to be determined. Now, Israel prayed, chapter 14, verse number 10, And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. What did they do? So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. They knew that they needed the Lord. They saw the opposition coming behind them, and the Bible says they cried out to the Lord. Folks, are you praying? You see, if you're, if you're lost, if, you, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have confidence of heaven, ask the Lord to save you. Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you pray, you ask the Lord to save you. Are you trying to decide where the Lord wants you to serve? Ask Him. Pray. Some of you have been struggling for some time. You know, whether or not you should join First Baptist Church, ask the Lord. 
Maybe he wants you here. Maybe he doesn't want you here. But, you, I mean, don't, don't just be in a state of doing nothing. Find out from the Lord. Pray. That's what they did. They prayed. Guard against discouragement. Look at chapter 14, verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? They doubted that they were going to make it to the promised land. Did you just bring us out here to die? We could have stayed where we were and died. They doubted. They were fearful. Verse number 12 of 14. Is not this, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. You know, that, that verse of scripture you ought to underline in your Bible. They were scared. They were going forward in faith. They faced opposition. And Moses said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord. Strengthen your faith. In chapter 14, verse number 14, there he says, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Strengthen your faith and go forward in faith. Look at verse number 15 of chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Isn't that an interesting verse? God said, why are you praying? Why are you praying? Go forward. You know, I've learned that sometimes we pray in order not to do anything. Well, I'm praying about that. Well, you already know what God wants you to do. I'm praying about whether or not I'm supposed to do that. Well, if God's already told you, he's not going to tell you something different if you pray. There comes a time to pray, and there comes a time to do. And that's what the Lord's saying here to the Hebrews. You have already cried after me. You have already prayed. I've already told you what to do. Now then, go do it. You are supposed to be going to the promised land. Folks, yes, pray asking the Lord, but when he tells you what to do, you don't need to pray anymore about it. What you need to do is to do it. So let me conclude. The long way is sometimes the best way. Because God leads us in a way that's best. The wilderness is sometimes God's way. Sometimes the Lord leads us through the wilderness. Expect opposition because there will be opposition. But be determined. Joshua said, as he stood before the people of Israel... And they were trying to decide whether or not they were going to follow the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a commitment that he made. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, what about your commitment? If you know already what God wants you to do, you don't need to pray about it anymore. You need to do it. It's time for the people to go forward. Our Father, we come to a time of invitation, and I pray, Father, that you will speak to your people, and to some I'm sure that you have already spoken, and they're struggling. And I just ask, Heavenly Father, that you'll be with them today, and that their commitment will be simply to go forward in obedience with you. And as we go forward with you, then we can count on your presence with us. We can count on your going out in front of us. We can count on your strength. So, Lord, I pray that during this time we will be obedient. Father, I pray that you'll give us the courage to follow after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
My friend, as much as possible, you don't want to come to the end of life and say, if I had it to do over, because you're not going to have it to do over. What are you going to do today? Stand with me, please, as we stand. The choir sings as they sing. If God has spoken to your heart, you come. I'll greet you as you do.